If you have a Bible, we're just going to get started right away. Um, go ahead and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's in the New Testament, so the second half of the book. And it's after Acts, uh, Romans and Acts. And then, uh, then it goes to, excuse me, Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. It's before 2 Corinthians. And what we're going to do today, as we've been doing the past five weeks, is we're going to um, be reading a chapter a day. And we land on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter a day is basically not a teaching series. It's not just a program. It's a way of life, and it's part of our DNA here at Elevation Community Church. We believe, as you your spouse, your marriage, your family, your small group uh, members, and maybe just a friend, a a, a brother or sister, Um, when you start to read together the Word of God, things change. You believe that? Things change. And um, so we just, we want to provide this opportunity to just read the Bible together. And then throughout the season, we, uh, we take moments to teach on what we're reading There's a couple resources uh, that we have made available for you. Uh, Number one is our phone app, Elevation Community Church, on any of the app stores. And it has our sermons weekly, but it also has our weekly impact podcast. And that is specifically for a chapter a day. And so it's a uh, a new one comes out every Tuesday. You don't want to miss this Tuesday because it's on 1 Corinthians 14, which is basically the second half of the message of 1 Corinthians 12. Another app that we have is our Bible app. It's called the Version. really probably the most used, the most popular uh, Bible app out there today. And uh, you can do different reading programs. You can connect with other people in the church that are reading the same thing that you're reading. Um, it's really awesome. And so if you don't have a Bible, uh, a hard copy of the Bible, that is a great go-to. But also, if you don't have a Bible to call your own, and you would like a hard copy, there should be about two Bibles in each row, black ESV Bibles, and most of them have Elevation Community Church engraved on them. If you don't have a Bible, that is your Bible now. Take it, use it, and allow God, through it, to change you. The last resource we want to offer you is, uh, it's called Dwell App, and it does cost a little bit per month, uh, Of course, it's not through elevation or anything. It's uh, basically an audio version of the Bible. And there's about, I think, four different voices, dialects. Uh, Some of you like different dramatizations of the Word of God. But the the cool thing is you get to choose the kind of background instrumental music uh, that you'd like to it. So while you're driving, just just so you don't fall asleep, while you're driving, you can listen to the Word of God uh, and uh, soothe yourself with the background music. And so we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. I know we just prayed, but would you just pray with me? Father, we believe in you. We believe in your power. We believe in your love. We believe in your goodness. And we believe that that's for us today. We believe that you died, Jesus, the sinner's death. You took our place The blood that you shed was for us. It's forgiven us. And you didn't stay in the grave. You overcome the grave. And you're victorious and you tell us not to be afraid and not to fear because you've overcome the world. And I believe this message in 1 Corinthians 12 is for this body, this day, and this moment. And so, Lord... Would you make us teachable? I pray that you would eliminate and push out every distraction today. And you would allow us, allow us to grow more like your son, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I just declare that I'm going to speak your words of life, words of truth. And anything that is not of you, would you just eliminate it? from my vocabulary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you out there this morning? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. God is so good, and I know we're a little light on attendance, but we are a participatory church, 
So we would love for you to take ownership and be a part of this. And uh, I just need to tell you, as I've been preparing this message this week, this has been pumping me up. And this has been aligning me with the heart of the Father. I do believe that today this message is going to profoundly change some of your lives. And I believe that in result, it's going to impact how we do church here at Elevation Community Church. And if you know what 1 Corinthians is all about, you're going to have mixed emotions when you hear it, depending on the experiences you've had in the past. But before we go to those crazy words that you're going to read that are going to cause a a diversity of emotions or feelings, I want to give you just a little bit of background of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Corinth was probably as worldly as you can get. The Corinthians were filled with everything that you read in the Gospels about what not to do. They were so filled with lust and sexual immorality. It was crazy. They were filled with idolatry to the max, to the hilt. Hundreds, not just hundreds, but thousands of false gods were worshipped in Corinth. Politics were so, so, so worldly. And everything in the political government system was to worship man. It was for self-gain and self-promotion. And if you got in the way, you were either eliminated or pushed aside or dealt with. This was such a worldly culture, and we cannot relate to that today, can we? No. No. We sure can, and this is why I believe this word is for us today as much as it was when Paul wrote it, if not more. The other thing that we see of why Paul is writing 1st and 2nd Corinthians is this. This worldly culture was starting to infiltrate into the culture of the Christian church. We can't relate to that either, can we? And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. No. You see, Jesus came, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins so that we could be righteous unto God. That's the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Why are you allowing the things that you've been forgiven from to come in and take place in your church system? It just doesn't make sense, does it? But yet, we see it today. Even, even at Elevation Community Church and our surrounding strong, healthy churches in our communities. Why? It's because it's what we allow. It's what we tolerate. And it's what we ourselves create. We create a culture even in the church that is supposed to be set apart. That's what the word holy in the Greek means, to be set apart. And we allow it to infiltrate And to quench the spirit and to keep us from doing and seeing the work of God that he longs to do on the earth. And so the Corinthians, especially the pastors, the spiritual leaders, the people in the church that have been set free and changed by Christ. They're writing Paul and saying, what do we do? These issues and we got this person sleeping with this person and we got this person stealing the offering and we got this person giving false prophecy and we've got this and this and this. And so all of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is the Apostle Paul answering the questions of the Corinthians and addressing some major issues that the Apostle Paul sees through the Spirit. And so with that, with that, Today, we're going to talk about a very popular subject matter within the church, and it's called spiritual gifts. Don't leave. There are no snakes in the background, okay? Spiritual gifts. And before I address the elephant in the room of what everyone's experiencing I want to give you the three points that we're going to cover, and then I'm actually going to start 1 Corinthians 12, and then we'll backtrack just a little bit to address the real felt need that many of you are experiencing when you hear that word, spiritual gifts. 
So today, we're going to look at number one. What are spiritual gifts? What are they? Let's get a proper biblical understanding of what spiritual gifts are. Number two, who are they for? That's very important. You know, when you sit down and your kids are going to go out for a day, a really good parent, a smart parent, is going to sit down with them and say, look, number one, what are you going to be doing? (laughs) What are you really going to be doing? And what? Who are you doing it with? Who are you hanging around with? And number three is how does it all play out? What's the purpose in you going to this place? And that's what Paul lays out in spiritual gifts. Number one, what are they? Number two, who are they for? And three, how does it play out within the structure of the church? What they are, who they're for, and how it plays out in the structure of the church. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says this, now... So that means he's continuing from chapter 11, and there weren't chapters when Paul wrote this. Now, concerning the spiritual gifts, in the Greek word, literally, Paul didn't even call it spiritual gifts at that point. He really didn't know what to call it because it was something supernatural. It was something not physical at all. It was something that was done once someone received the new life of salvation through Christ, and then the power of the Holy Spirit dwells within them. Something takes over in every believer and we've learned that by by learning that we are all a temple of the god of god of christ and his spirit his presence dwells within us so he says now concerning spiritual gifts that greek word is actually spirituals that we've translated into gifts but it's spirituals it's things of the spirit so now concerning spirituals brothers I do not want you to be uninformed. That word can also be defined or translated as ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant to the spiritual gifts. How many of us Christians are uninformed and ignorant to spiritual gifts? He says, you know that when you were pagans, he's talking about the Corinth culture, the worldly patterns, that you were led led astray to mute idols, meaning gods that don't exist, gods, can't, gods who can't do what this God can do. He said, you were led astray by mute idols, however you, were, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God, meaning the spirit that dwells in every follower, every true follower of Christ, ever says that Jesus is accursed. That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the world within them. And he says, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the spirit, which confirms what we've been talking about for the last four to five weeks, that only through the Holy Spirit can someone come to the knowledge and the understanding and even the repentance of their sins. They make the choice to follow and receive God's love. But it is a spirit thing. You need the Holy Spirit. Paul even says in Romans, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you, you are not in Christ. So a sign to everyone that we are true Christians is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Guys, this should not be weird. This should not be freaky. This should not be a negative thing. Yes, it might be weird because it's not of this world. But when you're in Christ, you're not of this world. It should be a new normal. And as Christians, we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Do you hear me? For years, church has just been a place where we come and we sit. And we feed on the spiritual buffet prepared for us. And we're comfortable. And then we leave and then we start to leak and we drain. And we go back to our normal ways and routines. And then we come back and we try to recharge our battery again and feed up on that buffet. That is not the design for the believer, the follower of Christ, nor the church of God. 
That's not the design. The design is for us to be uncomfortable to the degree that we depend on the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. That takes surrender. That takes understanding that you don't have the strength or the power or even the giftings to do what God has called you to do. There's only a few people. There's only a few people in this room today that understand the weaknesses that I struggle with of getting up here every single Sunday. You have no idea the fear and the insecurities and the inadequacies that haunt me from Sunday to Sunday. You have no idea. And so it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit living within me, a broken vessel, an open conduit to present the words of supernatural truth to you. And you are the same. You may not be called to teach or be a pastor. But as we're going to find out soon, each of you, each of you have a part to play. And so we get to the reality. I understand that many of you cringe literally in your clothes when you hear the word spiritual gifts and you start to wonder if this is one of those ooey-gooey, creepy, falling on the floor, speaking in different languages kind of church. And what I want to do is I want to speak to that for a moment. I want to speak to that for a moment. Many of you have had negative experiences within the church and for that As a leader, I apologize deeply because that was not God's intention for the church. And so I believe that there are many reasons why we, as Paul likes to say, are uninformed or ignorant. So many, number one, many believers have had negative experiences I think I would see a lot of hands if we had you raise your hands. I think another reason why we're uninformed and ignorant to spiritual gifts of why we're not seeing the body operate in that form is because it's not being taught from the pulpit. It's not being taught from the stage. It's not being taught in the homes where mom and dad, you're leading your children. It's not being taught to our next generation. Media is influencing their ideas and perceptions on the church. And that should not be. We have a role as a church of God to make sure that our next generation understands the things of God. Are you with me? So we've had negative experiences. We haven't been properly taught. And three, some of you just don't consider it. You just haven't given it thought. And it's not necessarily right or wrong. You just kind of put it on the shelf for later. And you keep putting it on the shelf for later. And you wonder why your spiritual walk and your faith is just starting to get stagnant, old. You're serving and going to church and it just doesn't feel right anymore. That's probably an indicator that you have put this whole understanding and topic of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he brings on the shelf. And now for me, in the last 39 years that I've been raised in church, I have been through so many different churches and denominations throughout these years. Different experiences, different styles different beliefs and doctrine. And I have to tell you guys, I have experienced some really negative, unhealthy, destructive churches operating in spiritual gifts gone wrong. (laughs) Operating on a spirit of flesh and self-gain and selfishness. Out of a spirit of just not knowing good intention, but not knowing God's structure 
and out of a spirit of manipulation from the leaders to get what they want. And that is not God's heart. And so we're not called, Paul's telling us, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't throw out the spiritual gifts because you don't understand them. Don't throw out the spiritual gifts because you've never been taught properly. Don't throw out the spiritual gifts because someone gave you a bad taste in your mouth of spiritual gifts. Paul's saying this is so important. And I want to tell you this. I even put it on a slide for you. I believe so firmly from the bottom of my heart That you, as a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, you believe in Jesus, you've received the forgiveness of your sin, you've received the Holy Spirit, his presence. I'm not talking about anything funny. I'm just talking about the Spirit taking your dead, sinful flesh and making you alive in Christ. It rewires you spiritually. If that's you, I believe with all my heart that you and us as an Elevation Community Church will not, hear me, will not grow to the fullness and to the maturity in Christ Jesus, as it says in Ephesians 4, if we don't do three things, two things. Number one, if we don't understand our identity, if we don't understand our identity as followers of Christ, we will not be able to grow to the fullness and to the spiritual maturity that God designs for us in Christ. If we don't understand who we are. And if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to watch the video of the message that we gave to the students and the parents for our back-to-school message. It's all about your identity in Christ, what it means to be in Christ, a Christ follower. You have to understand that as a believer, you are now a temple where God's presence resides. And number two, we need to continually surrender. I know that's a spiritual Christian word. Surrender just means let go. In order to grab a hold of the things of the Spirit, the things of God, you've got to let go of the things of the world, the things of your own flesh and your sinful desires. You've got to let it go. And it's a daily, continual surrender. And so if you want to grow to the measure of the fullness of Christ, and any follower of Christ with God's presence living inside of them is going to desire this, you have to know your identity and you have to continually surrender. And so now, let's read on to figure out what are spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? And I'm turning to my page here. We're going to start with verse 4. Verse 4. And as I'm turning, let me define what a spiritual gift is. Spiritual gifts. Can we go to that slide? Spiritual gifts is this. Jesus pursuing his mission through his church. That's spiritual gifts. It's Jesus through the power of his spirit pursuing the mission of his kingdom Remember when Jesus prayed, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed. And the spiritual gifts, Jesus said this to the disciples, it is better that I go to be with the Father because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and within you with power to bring about the church. The kingdom of God. So the spiritual gifts is all about the kingdom of God. The power of God. Let me ask you, where are you experiencing the power of God in your life? Where are we at Elevation Community Church experiencing the spirit come with the power of the kingdom of God? Where are we in our community of churches and our community and surrounding communities experiencing the kingdom of God? 
And so the what is it's Jesus pursuing his mission through you and me. That's incredible. Did you get that? You know, God didn't just wave his hand. He could just move his finger and everything changed. He doesn't need the church. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. He chooses us to participate in the kingdom of God. How awesome is that you get to participate in the spirit of God advancing and building his church. That excites me when I think about it. Does that excite you? So let's read of what this is. Verse 4. Follow me. Don't fall asleep on me. Here we go. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties, say varieties, of gifts. But the same spirit, say spirit. So there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And these are the varieties of activities, but it is the same, same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, say each. I'll do it later. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Say common good. That's what they are. And that's what they're for, and we'll get to that in a minute. For to one is given through the spirit of utterance of wisdom. We'll explain these. Actually, let let me just do it now while we're going. Wisdom is insight into the will and into the mind of God. It's not just knowledge or intellect of the Bible. It is wisdom. It is of God, the things of God made known to you. Then it goes on to say, according to the same spirit, to another, or or excuse me, utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. What is knowledge? How is that different from wisdom? Knowledge is a special knowledge, knowing something that is hidden or not known to others. God gives you a knowledge of something. I've experienced that just in the past week. It's a gift of knowledge. Then you have a gift of faith. What is faith? This is not just the normal faith that it takes to become a Christian. A normal kind of faith of trusting in Jesus. This is a faith, a special gift, and the ability to perceive what God wants to do before it is even started. That's the gift of faith. The gift of faith. And as I do this, I even love for you to just even ask yourself, what do I think my gift is? Because you're going to find out in just a minute that each of us have a gift. The Bible says each, each. So faith, it's unwavering trust to see God see it through of what he said he would do. That's the gift of faith. The gift of prophecy. It's not this like creepy word that we should just run away from someone who says they have a gift of prophecy. What is prophecy? It's speaking God's word into existence. It's speaking a message that God himself through his Holy Spirit puts on your heart to tell somebody else or a group of people. It's something that you should not have knowledge of. It's something that God wants to do or wants to say in the benefit of someone else. And a lot of times, the person with the gift of the prophecy have no clue what it means or if it's even true to the person's situation. And that's why it requires faith and obedience to follow after God. Then we have the gift that's mentioned of healing and miracles. This is really walking forward in God's supernatural believing and praying for miracles. Do you believe in miracles? They happen all the time. God is a God of miracles and healing. Why doesn't everyone get healed? That is for another series that's going to last six months long. God 
is such a good God that he wants to give us gifts. And the last one that, oh my gosh, opens a can is the gift of tongues. What? And I'm not going to even get, I don't, I don't have time. I'm even over, uh, getting close to time now. But tongues is not a bad thing when done properly. And we're going to talk about structure in just a moment. But please, if this is of intrigue or you've had a bad experience or you can't believe that this pastor is even talking about the gift of tongues, I want you to tune in on Tuesday at our, on our podcast, either the iTunes podcast app or the Elevation Community Church app. We're going to talk about tongues and prophecy and how we see it being properly done and how it should be structured within the church, Okay. But there are three, some people say four, but I'm just going to condense it to three forms of tongues. Number one is a public form of tongues that we see so strongly in Acts. It is a tongue that is translated because it is a foreign language unknown to the person, but the Holy Spirit speaks that language that where another ethnicity or another person of another language understands that tongue, meaning it's translated. It happens. We see it in the Bible, we don't see it necessarily as much as we see it in Acts, but we still see God moving from time to time in this way. It's a public declaration of the gospel of Jesus in someone else's tongue so that they understand what you're saying. You don't understand what you're saying, they understand what you're saying. Number two is also a public tongue. It's a heavenly language. It's not a foreign language. Language on this planet earth. It's of the angels. It's only something that heaven and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can understand. But it's public because it needs to be interpreted. The foreign tongue is translated. The heavenly public tongue is interpreted. And if it's not interpreted, it is not being used in a godly way. It is used in self-gain and self-promotion and look at me or someone who just doesn't know better, who, who hasn't been discipled. The third one is private. It's a private tongue and what that is, it's a prayer language. It's of a heavenly language, but it's a prayer language between you and God. You and God. And some people break it down to a fourth and say intercession. But I just use those two together. It's a language for you and God. And I would love to go deeper into that. Maybe we'll do another series just on that topic. But that is so crucial. Can every believer... And I'm not going to go there. Not going to go there. Uh, Maybe I should. I just opened the can. Can every believer speak in tongues? Paul says... Does everybody speak in tongues? Does everyone heal? Does everyone teach? Does everyone have the gift of tongues? No. No. But the tongues he's talking about is the public interpretation of tongues. He's talking about the public heavenly language that's interpreted for all or the foreign language that's public to be translated. I do believe that every spirit-filled believer can pursue a language with God but because you don't speak in a heavenly language does not make you spirit-filled and does not make you more mature of a Christian. It's just available if you like it, if you want it. If God, I just, I want to I I speak to you. I want to sing to you. And maybe that heavenly language is even just you speaking in English or even just singing. Again, I don't want to be a hindrance to you because that could be a sermon of itself. If you have questions about that, please come see me or Pastor Daniel. We'd love to talk to you about that, but that was a rabbit trail that I shouldn't have gone down. So those are the gifts. Who and what they are for. I'm going to go fast with this last point, or with the second point, because we got so much more to cover. Who and what are they for? Do you remember we said to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit of God? Say each. Now look to your neighbor. They're an each. Call them an each. Say you're an each. Now look at the other neighbor and say you're an each. 
There in each. Everywhere in each, each. Anyone in Christ is an each. So each person who is a believer and received the presence of God has a spiritual gift. Each of you, every one of you, has a spiritual gift. Some of you have more than one. Nobody other than Jesus Christ has them all. Because then the body wouldn't need each other. They would just need a pastor who has them all. Everyone's been given a spiritual gift. And then verse 7 and verse 8 says, Each have been given the manifestation of the spiritual gift for what? For the common good. So I want to break this down real quick. This is what God revealed to my heart as I was studying this. There are three things that you must know in order to understand spiritual gifts. Should be on a slide. Three things you must understand. Number one, God's love is for you. Say me. God's love is for me. God's love is for you. For God so loved you that he gave his son. Number two, Christ's sacrifice is for you. Is for you. If it was just you on planet earth, I believe God would still send Jesus Christ to die for your sin. But number three, the spiritual gifts is for others. It is not for you. So no man can boast. It's not for you. The spiritual gift that God has placed inside of you through his Holy Spirit, it's not for you. It is for the building up of the body. First Corinthians says, let all things be done for the building up of the church. So follow me. The spirit brings unity into the body of Christ. Everyone say unity. The spirit brings unity. The gifts bring diversity. The Holy Spirit always brings unity. If there's diversity instead of unity in the church through the Holy Spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always brings unity through love. But the Holy Spirit through spiritual gifts brings diversity. Everyone has a part to play. One may be the quarterback, but one may be the left wing or tight end defensive or the kicker everyone's been given a gift what part are you going to play in building the church for the common good it's for other believers it's for the church so three we got three minutes to do the third point how does it play out in the local church how does it play out in the local church Someone grab me a water. I'm a little dry. How it plays out in the local church. Let's read verse 12. Gotta go fast, Phil. Gotta go fast. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, thank you so much. Oh, you guys are awesome. (laughs) I love you guys. I love this church. I love what God's doing. I love the Holy Spirit. May he just continue to bless his church. Okay. Just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body through, though many, are one body. Say one body. One body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into the body. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say... uh, Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that would be horrible. We would see the same thing over and over and over and over again. How boring would life be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body of Christ, each, say each, 
Each one of them as he chose. You're an each. I'm an each. We need each other. We're an each for each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Not again. uh, Nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body uh, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And they're not indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with the greater, greater modesty, which... Our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there may be no division, say no division, in the body of Christ, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There are four structures of the church. Literally, I'm just going to list them. Number one, the purpose of the church is to operate within the kingdom of God. Is to operate within the power through the Holy Spirit of the kingdom of God. Do you know, Christians, that we are supposed to be different than the world? And so often our churches, because our culture and our worldly patterns have infiltrated the church. We're to be different. By our love will others know that we belong to Christ. That's the difference. Not we're better than anybody else. Now that's a lie from the pit of hell. We're to love one another as Christ has loved us. We are to live by the values and the principles of the kingdom of God. And we are to display that love, the ways and the power of God like no one else. Number two, we are to build up the believers, the church. We're to build them up in love. 1 Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 is about tongues and prophecy and other spiritual gifts. Guess what chapter 13 is about? Love. Not just there for weddings. It's there to glue the spiritual gifts together. If you have not love, you have nothing. And your spiritual gift is a waste because you're not operating in the spirit of love. Number three, we are to reach those far from God. You mean the spiritual gifts aren't for unbelievers? Not necessarily. The spiritual gifts are for the church, the building, the edification of the church. What do unbelievers see when that happens? They see the church at work. They see God's power. They hear God's gospel through word and through action. They see people actually loving each other and not fighting in the parking lot and fighting over donuts and coffee. For God's sake. They see the power of the Holy Spirit, not in chaos or in circuses, but to build one another up in love. And the fourth is love is the prerequisite. I've already said it. And now we are actually in closing here. You know what it means when the pastor says we're closing? It means nothing. And the band will come up in just a minute. So the question is this, really, stay with me, because, I mean, this is such a jam-packed chapter. But I believe we need to hear this as a church, and you as individual Christians, if you go somewhere else, or if you don't go to church, or whatever, we need each other. Well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Yes, you can. Sure, absolutely you can. The church does not save you. The church does not make you a Christian. However, I will say this, if you are a believer in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, number one, you're not going to want to do church alone. Christianity is not a lone ranger sport. However, if you do not connect to a body of Christians, you will not grow. I promise you. You can say you're growing, you will not grow. Why? Because we need each other. 
You only have one or two or maybe three at the most spiritual gifts. You need each other. By the way, okay, here I go. If you're coming to church, stop it. Start bringing the church. You have a part to play. You have a spiritual gift. Guys, I I can't tell you how many years in my life I just came and I got fat from the spiritual buffet that the worship team and the pastors and the e-kids and the youth prepare for you. That is not the Bible at all. That's not the design of the church. You're actually supposed to bring a dish of your own that no one else can make and not just throw it on the potluck table, but literally to start serving and feeding others from that dish that only you make. This is not chaos or circus or to make people feel weird or to puff you up because that's not the Spirit of God. But it's to build up the church So the big question is, why don't we see the spiritual gifts used more and more in the proper way? Why? I'll tell you why. Number one, we are not properly taught. Pastors need to teach what the Bible says about spiritual gifts because if you're not properly taught, you're not going to properly know or be able to use the spiritual gifts as God had required it. And if you're not using your spiritual gift, guess what? I don't believe you're going to see all that God wants to do in you and through you. He does it through his spirit. And he's wired you with gifts. But then the gifts that you don't have, he's wired someone else. The gifts that God has given me, he has not given my wife. And the gifts that he's given my wife, He is not given to me. That is why we're so happily married. Number two, why we don't see this often is we often forget. We forget who we are. We forget what God has called us to do and we focus on the other things. Number three, we don't surrender well. We're living sacrifices. You know what living sacrifices do? They get on the altar and they crawl right off. We don't surrender to God. God, whatever you want to do with me this morning, whatever you want to say in me and through me this morning, would you do it? And I'm just going to obey you as crazy and as silly as it sounds that this person needs to understand that their grandmother loved them no matter what they did and their grandmother passed two years ago and you don't know that? You're building someone up. This is how the body works, okay? This is how the body works. Right elbow brother has an itch. Wouldn't it be awesome if God was just like the brain and just told the itch what it needed and it stopped itching? Because God could do that. But what does God choose to do to show his power? The brain, God, speaks to left brothers and sisters' fingers and says, why don't you go take a visit over to right elbow brother? And why don't you scratch his elbow and why don't you meet his need? That's the body at work. You're encouraging, you're taking care of an itch. Each of you have a gift for an itch. Each of you have a gift to meet and bless an itch. How are you doing? Stop coming to church and bring the church. But in order to do that, you need to understand how God has wired you. And we want to help you and we want to resource you in doing that. And so if you would take out your welcome cards as the band comes up. Take them out. Welcome cards. You all should have gotten them. Please take them out. (laughs) There's two things on the front. One, it says giftstest.com. Now, I am not saying that take a spiritual gift test and you'll know exactly the spiritual gift that God has given you. It's just a tool. It's just a resource to maybe help be guided of how you're wired. So the results come out and you're like, that's not me, but the gift, the test tells me it is. So I must have this. No, no, it's just a resource. I will tell you this, though. If you can answer these three questions, I believe you're going to start understanding and seeing how God has spiritually wired you and gifted you for not you. 
for the body here at ECC. And if you go to another church or you're part of another church, for that local body and ultimately for the whole body of Christ. Number one, what has God given you a deep passion for? Wives, if your husbands don't talk well or you don't have a lot of spiritual uh, conversations, ask your husband these three, three questions. Husbands, if you don't know your wife's spiritual gift, by the way, spiritual uh, gab is not a spiritual gift. Kidding, ladies, I love you. Um, what has God given you a deep passion for? Talk to your kids. Number two, what specific abilities and stra- uh, strengths has God given you? And three, what are the needs of those within ECC in your community? Number one, what has God given you a passion for? Think about it. Not just an event, not just a program. What has God given you a passion for? Maybe it's orphans. Maybe it's widows. Maybe it's single moms. Maybe it's those stuck in addiction. Celebrate recovery. Maybe it's those who have broken marriages, who are stuck in discouragement, who are lonely, who are depressed. Maybe it's those in the veterans' home. Maybe it's those at the hospital. Maybe it's your neighbors who just had a fire and lost everything. What has God given you a passion for? I can tell you what God's given me a passion for of why I lead this church. My passion, what gets me up in the morning, and what I think about when I lay my head on the pillow, is this creating environments of worship so people can engage and encounter the living God. That's my passion. That's what drives me. And if I, if I don't see it, if it's not happening, I start to wonder, God, what are you doing? Let me ask you, what specific abilities and strengths? If you're modest, ask someone who knows you well, where do you see my strengths? And then the third one that we can't leave out is this. What are the needs around you? You know why? Because God spiritually gifts you according to the needs of those around you. Would you stand? I'm just going to ask you right now to be uncomfortable. I want you to raise your hands like this to God. I want you to say, God, make me a vessel. Say, make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be, God. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want. Lord, this, this is your church. And I pray, Father God, that through your spirit and through them tapping into who you are and understanding who they are in you and surrendering everything to you, God, that you would begin to raise up strengths and passions and abilities for the church so we would never, ever have to ask for people to volunteer for the next generation ministry or the greeting ministry or worship or parking lot or whatever it may be cleaning the building when no one sees God you have equipped each local body to serve one another and to carry on the functions of the church in love and so Holy Spirit God would you do a work that we can't do would we see real life change in this church community and in the community outside these walls Holy Spirit we look to you We desire your blessing and your gifts, not for us, for your glory and for your kingdom cause here in this church and in this community. Let's sing and worship, church.